This is Vic Patel with Craft Express. My name is Ashley from Artistry. It's Gavin, founder and creator of Steps.io. And you're listening to Two Regular Guys Podcast. Hosted by Terry Combs RG, regular guy, and Aaron Montgomery. The place to be for industry news. The best dad jokes on earth, along with relevant topics to apparel decorators. Prepare for the world. All right, welcome to the show. It is Friday, November 17th, 2023. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me at oursuccessgroup.com. And my mission is to inspire you to fall in love with your business. And uh, today, I think we're going to keep doing that, Terry. That's what I love about doing two regular guys. It helps provide to my mission there. But uh, we've got Wayne Morgan from Press Exchange joining us, and he's going to talk to us about and and I, I think talk to us is in, uh, maybe not exactly right in this this form. I think this is going to be really engaging. So we're we're counting on you guys, the regulators, people tuning in to uh, be part of this discussion. And but we want to talk about what uh, sustainability beyond the T-shirt means and what what that's all about. So we uh, we met Wayne at Printing United, and he's not specifically inside of our garment world that uh, we'd like to play in but uh, he he serves kind of the larger printing world and and i think he's got some interesting concepts that uh, as as decorators as garment decorators we might be able to uh, latch on to a little bit more so we'll, i think we'll that, that, that that conversation spanned about three hours at uh, <laughs> printing united so yeah lot, three hours lot, several bottles of wine maybe a couple of beers and a cocktail maybe a couple of beers at the, at the <laughs> <laughs> All the good conversations start that way. <laughs> right, exactly. The birth of two regular guys. So that's right. All right. That's right. Well, make sure you stay until the very end and get your helping of the secret sauce. Uh, Eric has something on the stove for us to help you determine the value of your year in business purchases and avoid shiny object syndrome. Hope you're, oh, uh, Eric isn't planning on talking anybody out of buying a, you know, a machine for me by the end of the year, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> If it's I, a shiny I, object, I know. <laughs> it is a shiny object. <laughs> uh, well, that's fun. Eric's going to have a great, uh, great segment there, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I could definitely use any uh, perspective I can get on avoiding shiny object syndrome. As you guys know, I, I love to chase those squirrels around, and uh, so get, looking forward to that. But uh, we do have the news coming to you this week again from Cassie Green at the Apparelist. So. We got plenty to talk to Wayne about, Terry. Why don't we just dive right into the news here? Let's let's do. Good morning, regulators. So happy to once again be bringing you this week's industry news. First up on the list is Haynes Brands receives insurance compensation following 2022 ransomware attack. Haynes Brands Inc. reports that it has received at least $20.5 million in insurance compensation in 2023 for the 2022 ransomware attack that it experienced, which cost Haynes Brands around $100 million in global sales. This is all according to a recent article shared by the Winston-Salem Journal. Haynes Brands announced in a regulatory filing that it began experiencing the ransomware attack on May 24th, 2022. Now, recently, the apparel manufacturer disclosed the insurance payments 
in its third quarter regulatory filing that represents compensation for lost profits. Haynes Brands said in the article that the ransomware attack affected its global supply chain network and ability to fulfill customer orders for about three weeks. The attack resulted in a 35 million reduction in adjusted operating profit for the second quarter of fiscal 2022, while lowering adjusted earnings per share by eight cents. So very interesting to see how that's all shaking out. Second headline I have for everybody today, new vice president of sourcing and product development at Sanmar draws on decades of global experience. So Sanmar Corporation announces that Dean Drawn has joined the team as vice president of sourcing and product development. Drawn, who brings more than 30 years of end-to-end global experience spanning the entire product lifestyle from design to distribution, assumed the role effective October 16th, 2023. Drawn brings a seasoned logistics perspective to Sanmar's executive team. The company said this in a press release that it released. During his 33-year career, he has developed expertise in leading teams responsible for supply chain management, operations, development, manufacturing, compliance, and quality. He is a member of the Cotton Board and administrative arm of the Cotton Research and Promotion Programs that serves as a key liaison to the United States Department of Agriculture. So some really big global experience coming to Sanmar. Final headline I have for all of you this morning, Stalls announces Q3 Stall Family Scholarship winners now accepting Q4 applications. So Stalls announces the third quarter winners of its Dream Shop Package Giveaway, part of the Stall Family Scholarship Program. Throughout 2023, winners have been selected each quarter in two different categories this year, one in small business and one in school. So winners for the third quarter are Arizona Autism Charter Schools in the school winner category and Delay Apparel in the small business winner category. The exclusive Dream Shop package is valued at over $5,500. Arizona Autism Charter Schools, or AZACS, is the first and only tuition-free public charter school serving students on the autism spectrum in the Southwest. With the Stahl Family Scholarship, it aims to amplify the opportunities that it provides its students, enabling student-run businesses to flourish, fostering essential skills like business planning, budgeting, and inventory management. On the other side, Late Apparel, which is a Savannah, Georgia-based business with a vision to create a vibrant community around garment decoration, is they said that they are really excited to continue growing their community by being able to teach multiple people at the same time. So big congratulations to those two winners. Stalls also said that it is currently accepting applications for its Q4 scholarship. They're taking those through December 15th. So if you're interested, I suggest getting right on it. That's everything I have for you guys this week. Back to you. Well, Cassie awesome. always uh, brings us a, uh, I didn't know that, <laughs> news <laughs> item or two. So, yeah, yeah, yeah really good stuff. And uh, um, cool cool to hear about all the, the Stalls Family Scholarship winners and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. I, I get to be part of that uh, committee that uh, um, goes through that list. And it's, it's, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard, uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening out there. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, well, let's say hello to some folks that are, are, are tuned in early here this morning and, and make sure that you guys are getting the word out there. Start spreading the word. Make sure uh, we get uh, more live viewers in here. But uh, Ramona early on said, uh, just imagine this time next year, which, yeah, whole 12 months from now, right? <laughs> You'll be saying 2024. We're, we're uh, only a couple uh, less than a month or so away from saying uh, 2024. So little little more than a month, I guess. I'm I'm shooting ahead too quickly but <laughs> you're, you're you're taking out the week that we don't have the two weeks that we don't have the show <laughs> for That's holidays right. so. yeah, yeah well and then three weeks really so because we're not going to be on next week either so right so we're we're yeah we're four shows away from 2024 here <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's how the regulators count uh keep track of their days and weeks yeah. according yeah. to how, how many more what show how, the two regular guys are doing <laughs> how many more two regular guys shows are coming up all right and then uh, amanda uh checking in from printing united and uh we have amanda to thank for uh, getting to meet wayne so uh thank you amanda exactly right that, that connection and we're excited about today chuck uh, good morning to you sir Appreciate you tuning in here this morning. And like I said, you guys get out there and make sure that you go share this with your uh, your communities. Make sure we get some people in here because I think I think the best part of our show today is is really going to be, you know, the conversation around this. Um, um, Wayne yeah. has even told us that he's got questions for you guys. So uh, <laughs> there will be a quiz. <laughs> there will be a quiz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> Terry, um, holiday holiday themed dad jokes anybody up for that um I, I i'm up for a holiday themed dad joke without thinking that wayne pointed out to us that this is a an american holiday themed joke today yes, yes. <laughs> but with thanksgiving coming up next week you know we get to we get to celebrate that a little bit um so um he, here we go whenever you're ready eric All right, Terry, what kind of music did the Pilgrims like? I don't know, Aaron. What kind of uh, music did the Pilgrims like? Plymouth Rock. <laughs> See, <laughs> Wayne's still like, I don't get that. Okay, yeah. the Pilgrims came from your country, and they landed on... Anyway, uh, okay, I, I have, I have one more international theme. How about this? Yes, skeleton, skeleton walks into a pub and says, give me a beer. <laughs> and, uh, and they... Oh, wait a second. I already messed it up. I have to read it. Sorry. The skeleton walks into a pub. The bartender says, well, you have. The skeleton says, bring me a beer and a mop. <laughs> <laughs> it's Halloween. Uh, it's a pub. It's Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we, we met in the middle. Um, Amanda liked and the I dad right over Amanda's it. also a, a connoisseur of dad jokes. In fact, she's uh, shared a few with us that we've used on the show. So Exactly um, right. Speaking of that, if you guys do, you do you know, Terry's been uh, carrying most of the weight. I, I did uh, come up with this one with the help of my twelve-year-old, uh, and uh, but Terry's been carrying most of the weight. If you guys have dad jokes you'd like to submit, please please reach out to us info at tworegularguys.com or you can find us anywhere. So uh, share yeah. share those with us. We like sharing your guys' dad jokes too. We'll read them. You can send us a video. Uh, we're yeah. happy to have you you on telling your dad joke as well. Yep, absolutely. In fact, where you go and do the uh, intro, if you want to join the intro thing, you can actually just uh, submit your dad joke there too. Good, good oh, enough place go. to. Uh, there you go. 
Um, and maybe right. that even gets into the intro. <laughs> There All right, Thanks, Aaron, before we dive in, we want to thank everybody for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. Uh, we need your voices still. We would love to have you uh, as the regulators participate in the show intros. So go to decorators.inc, I-N-K, forward slash intro, and read a few sentences to be a part of the show. And we've got uh, several in, but we would love to have more, so don't be left out. We are always looking for new guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to calendly.com slash two, the number two, regular guys, to book a future episode, or you can email info at tworegularguys.com with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of our show, we would appreciate you sharing the Two Regular Guys podcast with all of your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And we would appreciate you giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, wherever you do your podcast listening, we are there. And if you're watching us live right now, uh, please join in with your comments and your questions and be ready for Wayne's questions for you. Yeah, indeed. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get Wayne in here. And uh, I, I'm, I'm ready for an exciting We've already had a lot of fun even in the five minutes before we got started, and this carried over from our, our great time that we got to have in Atlanta. So I, uh, I see that continuing here. But uh, welcome into the program, Wayne. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I know it's not morning there, but uh, it's not quite happy hour yet either, is it? Not. Well, it's close. And it's close. <laughs> you guys don't keep me from it, right? All right. Well, we'll try to keep keep on on task here, but uh, welcome in. Uh, we don't do the bio thing. We just found that to be a little too pretentious for yeah. what we try to do here. But uh, we'd rather just have you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got kind of into what you're doing now uh, and, and maybe the the Wayne 101, so to speak. OK, fine. OK, well, good morning and good afternoon. Uh, so I'm the managing director of PressExchange.com. So we are a, a marketplace for used printing machinery. Yeah. We are established for 24 years, and uh, it was it's through PressExchange.com that um, we have a great relationship with Printing United, uh, and that we we are media partners for that show, and we do our utmost to inform our our community, which I'll come on to in a moment, uh, about that show and get as many of them as possible to look at all this new wonderful technology. How did I uh, get involved with Press Exchange, and who am I? I was a publisher at Print Week magazine in the UK. Uh, many years ago, uh, to maybe 2007, 2008. And on my first day, uh, my boss said to me, you need to go down into London uh, onto Tower Bridge, if you all know Tower Bridge, the famous uh, landmark, and see if you would like to purchase this organization to be a partner with Print Week Magazine, uh, which I, I duly did. And I went down to see uh, some fantastic guys, uh, a chap called John Roadnight, who founded it in 2000. Uh, on that Friday, uh, where he uh, he got me drunk, so we bought the business. <laughs> uh, man, smart guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, well the, the union was obvious because uh, in the back of the magazine, we had lots and lots of pages uh, from dealers uh, and printers that are selling their, their printing machinery because the machinery is so well made, it runs for years. So it has a life after its initial its initial purchase. So there were pages and pages of, uh, of classified ads uh, for that machinery in the back of Print Week magazine. But over time, that was um, those pages were becoming uh, fewer as those adverts were moving onto online onto the online marketplace, which was PressExchange.com. 
And whereas Print Week was predominantly a UK uh, magazine, Press Exchange is global. So it made it made sense uh, for us to acquire that uh, as a fantastic as a fantastic add-on to Print Week magazine. So then I ran it for about five years, and then uh, as an employee, I left and went to do something else. And then the guy that I bought it from, who's now my business partner and a dear friend of mine, uh, and in his seventies, uh, decided to buy it back. Why? <laughs> we don't. We all of the clients. You know, why don't you just enjoy your retirement? But it's such a fantastic industry, and I think he was uh, he was missing it. So he bought it back in about 2016, and then asked me if I would uh, if I would join him and, and come and run it. So that's where that's where we are today. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wayne, when you talk about printing equipment, uh, we're, we're probably primarily speaking about you know printing equipment that would print you know paper things like like the name that always shows up in my brain when I think about stuff that's like that that's really well made is Heidelberg. Heidelberg, yes. So uh, we often refer to it as, you know, the heavy metal, uh, just a nod to your dad joke, which was pretty (laughs) good. Uh, The heavy metal printing, you know, these huge printing presses, you know, whether they be sheet fed or web fed, uh, and then, of course, increasingly digital, where the substrate tends to be uh, paper based mainly. Uh, And the and the output tends to be, you know, a lot of books. And and then uh, we have all the finishing equipment that goes along with that. Okay. But the uh, and we do run um, textile uh, uh, ads and garments and things like that. So we do have those those machines, but very few compared to the volume of machines that are out there. And when we were at Printing United, and a big part of that show was for this type of types of equipment. It, it and I asked you guys at dinner. It just begged the question: What happens to this amazing equipment, which I do understand runs for many many years? Yeah. After the original purchase that, you know, when they're done with it, what happens to it after that? And I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious yeah. as to why it does or may, it does or doesn't. Maybe it does uh, get resold and go to different markets. Uh, you know, maybe new businesses that are starting up. And as we'll come on to later in, in the podcast, it yeah. got us thinking about sustainability and recycling and the components that go into these machines are becoming increasingly difficult to get hold of. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, there's a conversation around uh, sustainability and leads on to climate change and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Well, so before we jump into sustainability, uh, since we met at the Printing United Media Dinner, where you, by the way, were the self-proclaimed best wine deliverer of all time. <laughs> and well, they were refused to serve you guys. So I stepped <laughs> up. Yes. And, but they exactly. knew who we were, and that maybe you, yeah. Anyhow, that's a whole different story. But, <laughs> I'm surprised sure. you can remember. <laughs> We've been doing this I think for it was a lot of years. Afterwards, so. when we went to the pub, that that might have entered in. But uh, <laughs> uh, share your thoughts uh, about the expo in Atlanta. What did you What did you like? What did you dislike? Well, I've been working with these guys for a long time, and I know that Printing United has gradually become a a merger of lots of different brands, you know, not just live events, uh, but also magazines and things like that. And you can see uh, that it's become quite a powerful force. You know, for us, you know, we're an American company based in the UK because our biggest market is the United States. So nearly Mm -hmm. we, we reach every country in the world over the course of the year. And over, over that point, 18% of all the users will come from the United States. So to go to Printing United and to see such an incredible and very large show, having been to the shows in Chicago and uh, down in, in Florida, um, it's it's both impressive and actually quite comforting for, uh, for our industry. 
I, I went to the show in Vegas last year and I was impressed with this, with it, with that one. And this one was even bigger. Uh, so when, when I uh, was speaking to Amanda about how we can support the show, from our, from our point of view, whatever we can do to help promote the interests of this industry, we, we will do. You know, whether we directly or indirectly benefit from it as a media company, we have a community that we need to serve. Day to day, we're helping them find the equipment that they need to, uh, to service their businesses and their business models. But also we have other things that we can do for that community. Um, and also at the other, the other end, the people that create these machines. You know, don't forget, we're, we're in the graphic arts industry. Often the, the output from the things that we do, whether it's on textiles or on paper, are beautiful things. And there are people yeah. way downstream that are creating this fantastic art, especially in, in the sector that you guys specialize in. Uh, so, you know, the, I thought the show was incredible. And one half of it was all the traditional stuff that we recognize, the big, the big presses. Yeah. And then in the other half, it was just eye-opening eye the size of, um, of the garment uh, side of things. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it, just, it, it, got my, um, it just got me thinking about it even more than I, than I normally would. And then when I met you guys at dinner and you told me about the podcast and asked you a couple of questions – it just start. It just started to feel well. You know, it, there's a conversation around it, and, and and to dedicate a whole podcast to it, I think is is fantastic. I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to see what we get back. Yeah, I, 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 we are too. And I think you you kind of hit on something as you were sharing there. I mean, that's kind of always been the point of the two regular guys is just how can we lift up the industry, and then we'll let everything shake out from there. And I think that's why we we made such a fast connection is that there was that similar similar thought there. And, and, and I love when we get to talk to people that aren't as, you know, cause we, we get the blinders on, you know, we, we see what we're got going on in the garment space. And, and I don't think I've ever pondered that question that you asked us that night. Like, where does the equipment go? I, I, you know, and I don't have an answer to it. So I am excited about this too. And so I, I want to start getting into that. You know, we titled the show sustainability beyond the shirt. And um, you know, again, we, I know for us, there's a big push in that, which is great, but it's, it is about the shirt. You know, how, how many plastic water bottles can I grind up to make a shirt or how many gallons of water are we not using in making the shirt, which is all fantastic. We need to be focused on that stuff, but I think we want to take it beyond that. So help, help, help explain how you take that. What, what, what's sustainability beyond the t-shirt mean for you? So, well, there's two, there's two sides to it, isn't there? So firstly, there's the, there's the equipment. What happens to the equipment? Do they run it into the ground? So do your users, or, you know, your, your listeners and uh, viewers that use this equipment, do they run it into the ground? Because that's some of the feedback that we've received. Yeah. But in the last week alone on our platform, two auctions have been running for this type of equipment. Hmm. Um, so that's one side of it. And on the, on, on the other side of it, there is the sustainability thing because you're going to potentially scrap something, which I realize a lot of the components in there will, will be reusable. But what about the machine itself and how, how much energy does it require to, to make the machine? But it got me thinking about consumers and what you were saying about um, the substrate, uh, the garment itself, and how you know, all the crazy things that you can do to make something that you can wear. Yeah. Um, you know, how sustainable is that? And I know, uh, and I'm sure uh, you'll know a lot more than, than this than I, than I will, but consumers like that. Yeah. They like to think that the clothes that they're wearing are more sustainable. You know, fast fashion yeah. has, a, has a positive and a negative connotation to it. You know, the negative being quite honest, that it seems to be disposable fashion. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, people really want to fast fashion moves moves quickly. And yeah. I remember when I was younger, everyone wore the same thing. But since uh, with the ad, you know, with the world getting smaller and communications getting wider with, with the internet, there's a lot more individuality and, and, and yeah. things like that around it. And so the sustainability of the garment is one thing. So it, it, if some people will purchase a garment because, because of what it's made f- from and the benefits of that to the environment, then it, it led me to say, well, would they also be interested to know that it was printed on a recycled machine or yeah. manufactured on a recycled machine? And would that be a value proposition to to the uh, to the organisation that's manufacturing the garment? And then, of course, the, the, the retailer. So it's just a question, really, and I, I have no idea. And it, it starts with what happens to these poor machines? I and mean, is it like a uh, you know those uh, those graveyards for aircraft that look ever so sad in the desert, just aircraft all lined up? Yeah, ne- never look like they're going to get off the ground again. Yeah, um, yeah. or are they just scrapped. So it, 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 we'd be interested to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm here in Arizona with the, that uh, aircraft uh, graveyard, yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> you know it, it's interesting you. You say that because I'd never considered talking about um, the fact that I might be running equipment that I repurposed from someone else. And 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 I think that's a great selling point. And when, when I do seminars, when I do classes, I always say, you know, when I started out, I, I was a screen printer. Today, I have to I have to tell a story. Everybody wants to hear your story to yeah. determine whether they want to buy from you or not. And and I think, uh, gosh, I, was, I, I kept thinking back to several years ago. I we we were I worked for a company. And we had those long tables where they're printing fabric, and then Cutter would come in and cut it. And we were making boxer shorts that had college logos on them. And uh, when I walked into that company on a consulting basis, I said there has got to be a better way than to do this. So um, I found uh, what. Uh, some listeners will remember it was a jumbo oval and it was a company a company called precision in uh, new jersey had a machine it would print two, 22 inches wide by 30 inches deep and uh i found one of those and and i thought man how, how many people owned this before me because that machine is still running somewhere because they were built like tanks yeah and and uh, but but i bought it and uh and we cut up all those tables and we started printing that fabric uh, on an automatic press, 22 by 30 inches, stacking them up, cutting up boxer shorts. So uh, it, the whole time you were talking about, you know, what happens to that equipment? I kept thinking about that story. And and there's probably a million of them out there. And hopefully if any of our listeners uh, have have purchased used equipment or repurposed equipment, we'd love to hear about that as well. But, you know, Wayne. You talked about um, when we met sustainability and how in the workflow it might power sales. Um, Mm -hmm. You also talked about you might have some questions for a regulator. So talk to us about that and and what kind of questions do you have that our regulators might participate in? Well, my my questions are around is that about reusing such a machine. You know, I I mean, I'm I'm, I'm interested in your story there, Terry, that you actually used a, a a repurposed machine to increase uh, production exactly and, and profitability uh, and often there might be an assumption that um, an older machine that can't be the case because the new machines obviously they're always trying to to make sure that the technologies add value to a business and often that's got to be around profitability 
So you know, is there is there a fear in is there a fear in the market that be the case? How do manufacturers feel about um, machines going back onto the market? I mean, I, I know that these things like tanks they run. I, I met with some of the guys at Stahls, uh, and they were very proud about how long their equipment runs. And the, and I know that that's a, qual- a quality machine that they that they produce. Um, but what happens to them? And because uh, because another thing what happens to us in in our um, in the in the other heavy metal market is a brand new machine that might start its life in Germany, the Heidelberg, for example. Um, at some point uh, in its in its second, third, or maybe even fourth life, may end up in Africa or Latin America um, or, or over in Asia. It may not be a sustainable machine in Europe or America in North America any longer. So it makes its life down there. And, and that's the sort of questions that I have for the audience. Really, is 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 what the what exactly is going on? Because from our point on um, press exchange, people own the machines or they're selling them on, on behalf of someone else. They advertise the machine. And our job is to make lives easier for the community to identify the equipment that they're looking for and then go in, uh, well, like a dating agency, really, like Amanda was with us guys. We're just putting people together yeah. um, uh, under this common conversation. Yeah. So, that, you know, that, that that was my question. And I would love to know uh, it, would having uh, on the product, you know, at the point of sale, manufactured with a, with a recycled machine, yeah. would, would that satisfy a need that may or may not exist for consumers? Yeah. It's those sorts of questions, really. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, and it, it's such a great thing to, to think about and start talking about because, you know, wasn't that many years ago that just saying that you were, you know, doing sustainability, it was kind of like, a, oh, that's fun. That's cute. That's a, a neat little thing. And it, it just enough people continued to say that and, and prove why that was important to them that, you know, okay, I've saved this many bottles from going into the ocean. Right? Like I, I heard an ad for a, a water company out of Hawaii and they make all of their bottles out of old recycle bottles. And that's, that's kind of part of their, their shtick. And it's like, okay, but you're still making bottles, right? Okay. So we're like, how, how are we moving this stuff along? And I think the same thing can be said for the equipment, like, but nobody's been talking about that, at least not in our space, because yes, I know a lot of people have quote unquote used equipment. In fact, Ramona says here, when you say recycled machine, what a purchased used machine fall into the definition of recycled and would it? It's a good question. It's answering a question with a question, but it's the right question. Yeah, it is the right question. And and I think based on what we've kind of concluded in our conversation so far, to me, my answer is yes, that would fall into the definition of the recycled yeah. product. Because the, the alternative is to put it in the trash. To exactly. So if it could be reused again, um, that, w- that would be the case. I was, I was, cause I was also thinking... Um, you know, if someone were to list a machine uh, on our platform and then change their mind and actually, I'm not going to sell this machine any longer, we found a use for it within our own organization. Does that even make it a recycled machine? Obviously, it's got to be it's got to be uh, treat, treated correctly. And I was thinking about, you know, if someone were to um, to make to make to suggest that the, that the product that you're purchasing was on a recycled machine, that would need to be backed up. So yeah. I was thinking, us as a as an independent media company in a marketplace, we know the equipment that's been forever. We've never we never delete anything. You know, we know all the equipment that's washed through the through the platform over the years, and we would be able to confirm that yes, this was listed on a 
uh, on a reused uh, marketplace. Yeah. And therefore, you can consider it that it's a, it, it has a second life. And yeah. therefore, yeah. it's circled. And we'd it be quite so. happy to, we'd be able to, you know, not endorse, it's not the right word, but we'd be able to evidence yeah. that that's the case, should it yeah. be challenged. Yeah, um, I think I think that's that's really and and I wonder what. So there's a couple other parts in here that I think kind of get my mind going and asking more questions too. But um, like David talked about here, bought an old school Mamaki DTG many years ago, size of a Mini Cooper. Um, I'll never buy used again, but repurposed I can get on board with because it sounds like some work has been done to it, right? So now you've got a whole other like where there's a lot of gray area in there, right? Um, some dealers used will will uh, some dealers will um, uh, renovate machines before they sell them on. Often that's not it's not the case, uh, and some manufacturers when they sell a, a used machine. They will come with warranties, so that if they, they've definitely done some some work on it, there's always a, a there's always a, a risk with buying anything secondhand, like a car, especially if it's an old Mini Cooper. You know that comes that, that comes with that comes with uh, that comes with risk. So it's working with reputable and trusted uh, sellers, which I hope that we do. We we do on press exchange. We strive strive to do that. Um, yeah. But there will there there are some. Uh, negative stories, but he, you don't hear. We don't hear them that often, to yeah. be fair. But we do hear them. You know, yeah. they do. Yeah. It does happen. I, I always tell uh, tell people when they ask me about buying used equipment is if if you already know the equipment, if you if you're let's go back to screen printing. If you are already a screen printer and you know what you're looking at when you're buying used equipment, uh, by all means. Uh, buy the used equipment and, and repurpose that, that if you are brand new to the technology, then I'm going to say you should buy new. And, and the reason being is because is it you that's having the issue or is it the equipment you bought that's having the issue? And if you're new, you don't, you don't understand the, the difference. And uh, uh, so again, I, I don't have any problem with buying used equipment as long as you know, you have a good understanding of what you're buying. I, I, I had someone just, probably three weeks ago, uh, talked to me about people send me lists of things that they're about to buy. And, and, um, and I said, well, this, uh, this exposure unit you want to buy, it looks like it, it will probably function and do what you want to do with it. But that company went out of business 25 years ago. And they're like, what? what? <laughs> so, <laughs> you mean the manufacturer of the machine? The, the manufacturer That's went out fine. of business 25 years yeah. prior. So, uh, it, but it, it's a perfect example of if you don't know what you're looking at, then maybe you should be a little more cautious. But if you do, like myself, when I bought that Precision Oval, uh, I, I'd been screen printing already for 20 years and I knew exactly, I used to work for Precision. I knew exactly what it was I needed and what I was looking at when I flew to South Carolina to watch the machine operate before I bought it. Well, that's a really good point. So I can tell you uh, uh, that the, the vast majority of the users that come to PressExchange.com to see, to seek a machine know exactly what they're looking for because they 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 recognise the need that they have. They they know that they recognise the machine that they require to do that, but also um, their staff and their engineers understand that equipment and that they can run it just, just like you said so that is not un unusual to us 
Um, And of course, we we help manufacturers uh, promote new equipment as well, because it's a circle of life. You know, you you need to sell new ones to to make sure that there's used machines in the market. Uh, And about the way it goes with us uh, from our survey, about 60 percent of the printers that come uh, to us are considering new machinery and used machinery. So we're just part of that buying that buying cycle, and it's like uh, if you, again, you know, if you just t- treat yourself like a consumer looking for a car, you're going to buy a new car. But how many people also have a quick look at classifiers to see if there's a nearly new, or if there's a deal to be had, um, and it's just part of that buying journey, and it's a buying journey that takes quite a long time, of course, to invest in yeah. sort of equipment. Yeah. So it's our job. Of a press exchange just to present that, but I can tell you the people that come onto the platform they know what they're looking for, and I think Terry, it's because it's because of that because the machine they're going to run, new or used, they need you know, they need to understand it. Otherwise, it's a whole new training regime and workflow that's got to change, and that that's a big that's a big change of uh, that's yeah. a big change for a printer and, and, and more costly than just purchasing a machine, sure, sure. Well, Eric said in the comments here, uh, in the embroidery market, used machinery is very common. Our shops regularly bought used, and those older machines did often enough head down to Mexico after their lives in the U.S. If a recycled, repurposed machine was looked over by a technician, that would be a huge selling point. Um, so, again, it's, yeah, what what level, you know, is, is it as is? Is there some warranty, some, you know, um, but that I think that's where... Like in Terry's story, there, you know that 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 manufacturer is no longer there. The person that made that equipment is no longer available. So there is, you know, you're the one that's going to be on the hook for fixing that. Um, I want to get yeah. what Ramona said here too. Uh, said I agree with Terry completely. If you've never used the equipment you are looking at, understand there might be machine issues that you see as a user issue or user issues that you think are machine problems. So yeah, that same thing. When I guess one other question here, <laughs> staying in the same idea though and i think the other part of what made this conversation so interesting to all of us was you know we see what you're doing in the in the printing with with that big iron you know i mean some of those initial purchases of that equipment is i mean quarter million or yeah. more i mean that, that's not in some cases okay yeah okay mm-hmm. and and we don't see that quite as, I mean, not that there aren't equipment like that, that uh, you can kind of get into, but I think one of the the unique parts about a, a garment printing business is that you can be on a bit more of a shoestring budget and, and get started. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see that kind of playing into all this, right? That, you know, if I've only spent five, $10,000 on something, I might feel like that's a little bit more disposable than if I've you know, dropped a million dollars on it. <laughs> Um, uh, needing to find that. So that, and then the other side of it's the, the digital aspect of it. Now mm. that more and more digital equipment's coming into the market, does that seem to be more disposable than, you know, some of the big iron that you've talked about? Well, uh, I'll take, I'll take the first, uh, the first question first, yeah. um, about how we said, what is it? So our, our press exchange, we, the, the big ticket items are the big presses. But the, the majority of the equipment that we have in terms of just volume, but w- wouldn't uh, come to the same value, you know, wouldn't have the same dollar value. Okay. Uh, in, see what I did there? Dollar yeah, value. Yeah, I did. It <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have the same. They wouldn't have the same dollar value. Um, uh, it, it's like the finishing equipment and the peripheral equipment. We have way more 
of those smaller pieces of equipment that do sell for a lot less than than the, yeah. than the press than the actual presses do. Um, and there's, so there's a big market for that. And, there, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a saying in that in the paper printing market, and it's probably the same in garments as well, that it, you can put ink on it, but it's not a product until it's been finished. So, you know, we've got thousands of these pieces of equipment and some of those will be very low value. Uh, so, that, you know, the five, 10,000 mark that you're talking about, I presume that's new. Um, when it comes to being resold, that still, yeah. that still has a value. And it, it, yeah. it's uh, our job as a marketplace is to just make that available to people. Yeah. And if they are out there now looking for it, then hopefully the two will come together. Yeah. But there may also, of course, be some concerns uh, by the print shop selling it themselves that they would have to deal with any after-sales um, concerns and issues. Bought as sold is a relatively general thing. Uh, bought as seen, sorry, is a general thing for anything that's uh, that's used. And it, it, we have a um, status for the advert, whether it's in production or whether it's been dismantled, if it's in a container already or on the back of a truck, that the, the, those statuses are made aware. So it's dealers that tend to sell the majority of equipment so that they can provide the after-sale support, which they do. And they can also guide uh, the potential purchasers to make sure that it is the right piece of equipment for them. And I, so I was wondering in, in this part of the market, are there dealers or is it printer to print? You know, are they sold? Uh, we would call them private sales. That's what we call them. You know, is it sold privately? Uh, between two printers now you mentioned your your listener mentioned that um, the machine would move down to mexico that's just one country down right whereas uh on the other side of things those machines can end up anywhere anywhere in the world and of course that yeah. has more that has other costs to it to get it shipped across to yeah. you know china for example yeah Exactly. But I, I do think it's interesting when you talk about like, you know, the finishing equipment and stuff like that, you brought up uh, stalls earlier, right? So we've got you know, the heat, heat press uh, presses out there. And, um, you know, I think you can invest in a, a pretty nice heat press in the $2,000 range uh, for garment printers that would work just mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. But those, yeah, those do retain value. I, I, I know shops that have had their same heat press for 40 years and use it daily. It's incredible. Right? And, it, it is incredible, but I don't know, you know, I think they just get that as like, that's just my piece of equipment. But I, I do think that this really, to me, shines a light on the fact that they should start creating that as part of their story. Right. I've not, I've, we're using the same piece of equipment because we want to bring value and that's sustainable. We're not wasting by, you know, changing out equipment and, and things like it's that. Not not necessary. And one presumes the quality is still just as good. Because it's, yeah. it's the consumables that tends to, you know, as long as you keep your consumables in tip-top shape, yeah. um, you know, the equipment is the, move, is the moving part. So if the quality is, is as good, um, after all of that time, I think that's a great, I think it's a great story for, consumer, for consumers. I do. Yeah. I, think they would, I think they would go for that at the minute. And yeah. increase, increasingly more. I mean, at, at Printing United, I mean, how much green tech was there? Just specifically green tech for the part of the, do you know? I don't know. I, Amanda might be able to tell us, but uh, she's still hanging in there. But uh, I mean, <laughs> definitely something I saw regularly. I mean, I can think just walking, walking my brain down the aisle, people talking about the sustainability aspect. I know um, I sat in on a news conference at Corneat and there was a lot of conversation about that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's a big piece of digital equipment right there. And, and I guess that's the other thing I, I want to 
kind of ask of you, Wayne, uh, sorry to go off script and take over here, Terry, but um, when we talk about this, right, as a manufacturer, I don't know how motivated they would be. I mean, manufacturer, their job is to get another piece of equipment out into the world, right? So how do you balance that with in a partnership realm? Different manufacturers work in in different ways. Uh, Some manufacturers like to remove the equipment from the marketplace to support to support that part of the business model. And some manufacturers directly sell used equipment. So you have a, it's polarized okay. and um, it's not, it's, it, it would be wrong for us to influence them on that. It's down to their, down to their business model. Um, I know that here in the UK, uh, sorry to keep going back to used cars, just an easy, ana- easy yeah, analogy. Yeah, perfect. There was a cycle with the, uh, with the manufacturers of cars where they wouldn't get involved in used uh, but then um the manufacturers started to reacquire the franchises because the and that they and that i don't know how true this is but i hear i heard it many many times so this is anecdotal but they are making more money at their used fleets than they are than they are the new cars um, and the dealers that are selling the, the new vehicles make more money from a used vehicle than they do a new one now I don't know if that's if that's true if that's true or not. So I I wonder if the industry is evolving toward that, and I wonder what conversations manufacturers manufacturers have had in their boardrooms about about used equipment because their sales guys that are just focused on new equipment would see it as a risk to get yeah. a new piece of equipment into the marketplace, and that is that is a gen that is a genuine thing. But it's like I said earlier, it's the circle of life. You know, there are there aren't used machines without new machines. Right. So uh, we do a lot of support for manufacturers to because our community, our printers, they're looking to purchase equipment. They're looking to purchase equipment within the next calendar year. So they are in market. Unless you're a real nerd, you're not coming to press exchange just to have a look. At, I mean, you guys probably sit on it all night long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where I go. It just to nerding scroll. over the machines. <laughs> But we're we're a we're, it's a, you know the, the machine that's on there today might not be on there tomorrow. So it's a, it's a marketplace and transactions are taking place as, as we have this conversation as we have this conversation now. So the people that come on are in the market. So it's down to us to make sure that uh, the used equipment that they might be interested in is available to them. But at the same time, they are looking at the new technologies and solutions that are available for the manufacturers because the techno you know n- not only do they make machines that go on for forty years they're making machines that are doing new jobs and present yeah. new opportunities yeah. um so it's i think the whole i think that it is evolving but it it's i would love to know in some organizations what conversations they have in their boardroom yeah you know well, how many times have they thought well oh, maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't or you know i've just sold a new press to uh, to this printer and they have one of our old ones and we're taking that in but it's really good nick and with a little bit of a bit of a polish here and there we could probably make that available to a customer that we lost last year who couldn't quite afford at the moment one of our new presses but maybe they could afford this are they having that conversation in the ballrooms and it, that's not for me that's not for us we're an independent independent media company it's not for us to judge that it's just a curiosity yeah mm-hmm. well Maybe we need to get uh, Ross from Rock and uh, uh, Rich from MNR and and some of these other uh, guys around a table and say, yeah, just go ahead, ha- have this conversation. We'll just listen in. We'll just be fly on the wall here. We're not judging, as as yeah. <laughs> Wayne said. <laughs> We're just curious. Yeah. 
Well, I, I work with a, with a company called Equipment Zone in New Jersey, even though I live in Arizona. Uh, I like to be at least three time zones away from my employer. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if they're listening or not. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you know, a thing that uh, that Equipment Zone is in the middle of right now is uh, is a uh, uh, trade-in program. Uh, Equipment Zone sells Epson DTG equipment primarily and uh, doing a trade-in program with the thought of uh, re refurbishing those machines and donating them to high schools that have printing programs. Nice. And uh, I think that's probably an example of what you're talking about. But what are some other examples of something a, a distributor like Equipment Zone could do to, to uh, work with you and, and, and do some type, of, uh, some type of a sustainability program? Uh, well, the donate the donation point is interesting. I mean, that's a, that's a fun. Is it a charity then? Are they? Are they a charity? Well, it, it would be a charity, but uh, there are here in the states there are lots of high schools and colleges that have programs where they screen print, they do direct to garment printing, they do direct to film printing. Uh, there are. Um, there are special schools for uh, uh, kids on the spectrum where they learn a, they learn a trade uh, while they're in school, and so the thought was to contribute to that. And you know, obviously, in the end, those same people are going to be out there working within the industry. And who knows? Someday, buy a piece of equipment that they worked on when they were in high school. Yeah, of course, wow. <laughs> People don't like change, right? So you yeah, get used exactly. to it. Get used to. So from my, from my point of view, working with organisations like that, it, for, for us, every everything we, we have um, we have large databases where people do email marketing. We have banner ads. We have software. We have a CRM. But everything starts with listing a machine. So forget all of the stuff that we can do to generate revenue uh, uh, when working with our customers. Um, ultimately, it, it's it's about listing a machine, and I'd be interested to speak to them about making that equipment available so that if schools knew they could come and look at the library of machines that are available, they could come on and have a look at present uh, press exchange. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, don't know, I don't know how many uh, schools in the US do it, but you were talking about it's education, yeah, to learn the trade. They're not just printing Correct. their merch. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's they set up like a, a regular shop would, and they use that as a, a teaching tool for, for the, the kids. And um, a lot of times it's around different, uh, there's also some national organizations like Skills USA, yeah. um, DECA, I can't remember the names of all of them, but, uh, okay. you know, so they'll be participating in that, but it's, but it, and the other nice, the other interesting part is a lot of these schools will then fund this program by selling the merch. By so, selling the merch. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I would love to talk to them to find out more because, um, that we're, we just bring people together. That's all we do. It's all good media. Exactly. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. Cool. Well, besides what you're doing there, Terry, I, I know um, a couple of other folks that are pretty involved in obviously me running the sublimation competition at Skills USA. Uh, we'll put you in touch with some people, Wayne. I, I, I like this. Speaking of mm. uh, putting people in touch with each other, uh, Tom jumped in there. Tom Riley said, use screen printing equipment. Uh, he's got a link there for us. So, um, Wayne introduced us to Tom. Ah, and, right. Uh, yep. yep, yep. And Tom is going to be joining us on the next two regular guys show in two weeks from now. So, <laughs> okay. So, Tom, I'm going to give you a call, and you can uh, you can educate me on that piece of equipment. 
There you go. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, so as we kind of start to wrap things up here, Wayne, I, I want you to take out the uh, the crystal ball there and and look ahead a little bit here. Because again, I think the other part that's interesting about all this is where, where what does digital do to this conversation? I still yeah. saw a lot of questions about that. But I, I want to know from you, what, what do you see as kind of the, the future, the developments coming along in sustainability in the printing industry and, and kind of a, across the board? Uh, so I think um, f- from our point of view, uh, we see, uh, we're seeing more parts um, being made available in the marketplace. So okay. that's uh, organizations, I think, are trying to run their presses for longer. Okay. Um, and I don't know how interesting that is uh, to, to the community. And we're having, we're having the, the, the conversations we're having around parts, which is about sustainability, has increased tenfold since just before COVID. So we're only talking in the last few years. And one of the, one of the guys uh, in my team, Oh, Kim, who you met, actually. Yeah. She, um, she's been uh, chewing our ears off about parts to do a better job with it in the marketplaces to make that, to make that more sustainable. So that's about the equipment uh, being more sustainable. So I think that's what's going to happen is that people are going to run this equipment for, for longer. Um, uh, so that, and then uh, increasingly digital. Uh, I don't know if you want to come on to digital. We have the same questions about digital that you've got. It's a very complex uh piece of equipment and very my understanding is is quite difficult to to resell on to be used second hand yeah but again uh those pieces of equipment are increasing in the marketplace as well so more becoming available of course because more have been been built uh, and they're being put into the marketplace the deal that goes along with that i couldn't i couldn't comment on we're not sure because i know that often with the digital printing it's not necessarily the equipment it's uh it's the impression counts and the inks and the the, you know, in paper and the consumables that come with it. And that's where the contract is. Yeah. Uh, but one of those auctions that I talked to you about that we've had in the last couple of weeks were two digital garment presses from Cornet. Did you say that's what yep, it was? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cornet, yep. It was two of Cornet, sorry. It, it was, okay. it's two of those and they're live, they're live now on press exchange and they're for sale. So huh. someone is trying to sell those. Yeah. yeah. Speak. So it's yeah. curious. Yeah, but I think around sustainability, it's, it's only going to become a bigger conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, a good friend of mine works in shipping and he's joined, uh, he's a very uh, smart engineer and he's joined an organization where they've created, uh, so I won't go into the details because I don't know it completely, but micro bubbles underneath a ship's hull to make it move through the water um, more efficiently and save on fuel, which obviously cut down on emissions. That's green tech. And yeah. for them, you know, that's just that's the sort of conversation that the shipping companies want to be having. So, uh, uh, you know, how much more green tech is available to the printing industry that helps our printers create a more sustainable business model? Yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, that's attractive to their customers, and I think yeah. that's just going to increase even more. Yeah. Well, when okay. we are running out of time, so how can our listener, listeners learn more about what you're doing at Press Exchange and, and how can people reach out to you? I think the easiest way is to go on to pressexchange.com uh, and you will see uh, you will see how it works. There, is, uh, there are mecha- easy mechanisms to get in touch with us. If you've got a piece of equipment, there's a sell your machine button so nice. and their site will take you through that. Uh, but um, we don't like to rely on e-commerce. You're we would love to hear from people. 
uh, just get in touch. Uh, and I've also made, made this podcast available on my own LinkedIn account. So linking in with me is another is another good thing. And if you've got questions for us, um, more specifically, we'd love to answer them because I think yeah. we'd learn more at the same time in answering your questions. Yeah. 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 Well, you guys, uh, Wayne and, and and his team, we got to meet Kim and I know that with her on the, uh, the parts thing, it'll, it'll get done. So, uh, she's, a <laughs> she, yeah. she gets after it. She's awesome. Uh, so I, I'm excited. And, and like you said, just reach out to them. They, these are amazing people and, um, you'll learn a lot just having a conversation with them. So, okay. all right, Wayne, well, thank you so much for your time and, uh, it's gotta be happy hour by now. Well, it is four minutes to five, and I know that my friends are already in the pub. Okay. All right. Well, we won't keep going <laughs> longer. Now, I'm going right, to we'll leave this podcast, but as soon as I do, I'm going to the pub. All right. You can try that skeleton joke on them, but the second time I oh, yeah. I'll have to listen time. back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may want to skip that. Anyhow, thank you so much for your time, Wayne. It's, this has been great. We're looking forward to the next time we get to chat. Thank you very much. Have Good a lovely break. weekend, everyone. You Take as care. well. Awesome. Wow, Terry. What I mean, it's just so cool to think about, right? I mean, like the conversation around sustainability, and you know, it's 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 happening regularly. It's and but like like he talked about, right? Like thinking about micro bubbles on a on a ship, right? I mean, we're just exploring new areas. What what can we do to make sure that we're passing on a better earth to our kids, right? And the equipment is a part of that. There's energy, there's time, there's materials that go into making all this stuff. And so it's finding that balance between the technology that we need to run our business and the sustainability we need to keep our world going. You know, <laughs> so. Well, yeah. And, and, and when we're telling the story of our business, uh, Hey, it, it, it can now be more than look at this all made apparel shirt. That's, that's made from eight water bottles or whatever, mm -hmm. Mel will, which is awesome. Right. Mel will that, correct that's... me on that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, uh, on, on repurposed equipment, you know, that, that didn't go into the landfill. We've, uh, we've rebuilt it and, uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're not consuming, new equipment we are repurposing old equipment i think that could be a part of uh, a people's story out there yeah and i think having a place like press exchange is is great for because i think people do are, are interested in that but like i've had conversations with people and they're like yeah i have no idea where to even go you know oh i've got a guy that does use equipment it's like okay but yeah. if this guy is a guy and uh, you know who knows it's out of the van in the back right <laughs> send me cash first and uh well yeah so, anyhow. <laughs> um all right well that that was a great conversation terry i'm super uh thankful to to wayne for spending some time with us and um hopefully he has a great time at the pub and and has a has a pint for us so um, <laughs> we've got to wait a few hours for happy hour here so <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's 10 a.m here so yeah <laughs> so, but i am on yeah. vacation this week i did staycation i've been working on my new book so, oh boy here we go yeah. here we go i love mm -hmm. love it hey let's real quick um, i know we've got a uh, secret toss we want to get to and we got a few other things to get to before we close out can we just run through the reggies real quick because i do want to get people uh voting on the reggies uh and yeah. uh, so go to two regular guys.com forward slash reggies and I'll, I'll just read through through them all real sure. quick if that's good terry yeah um, yeah okay so the, the first category is the uh, fresh impact product awards new products uh sawgrass printmate 
pinch perfect tumbler tool, Romeo and Juliet Caesar cutters, 3D uh, puff pro tool, and the Epson F2270 DTG printer. Uh, the 2023 Customer Care Spotlight Award. Uh, these it's Customer Service Award. So you got Michael Kaminsky of Sublimation 101, Pilar Harrison of the Rhinestone World, uh, Vic Patel of Craft Express, Amanda Jordan from True Digital Artistry, Evan Gordon from Sawgrass, and Todd Downing from Fat Dad Custom Designs. Uh, the 2023 Industry Education Excellence Awards. Uh, this you've got Michael Kaminsky from Sublimation 101, Lori Donovan with the Sawgrass Workshops, uh, Nikki Ademkowitz with the Sassy Suburb, uh, myself, Aaron Montgomery with our success group, uh, Todd Downing with Fat Dad Custom Designs, and Matt Vasallo with the Rhinestone World. And then we have our 2023 Decorators Hub Trade Show Awards, uh, Terry's favorite name, Applique Getaway, <laughs> <laughs> the Dax Tinley Park Show, the Impressions Expo Long Beach. Uh, everything embroidery market and the pinners conference by the way did you get a chance to pop in on uh, that? you know i did not make it over there oh, uh kim had that. tons of production to do and we just never never got out the door that's all right. that's that's good um uh, all good uh, tw- uh the next category is the 2023 rising star awards uh, i've got abby carrillo with craft express Adam Fuller with BJJ hats. And so this is the under 40, by the way, category. And so Adam is 12. So he's got plenty of time to win this, but this could be the year. I feel <laughs> like. Um, Adrian Palmer with DTF.com. Amanda Jordan with true digital artistry. Ashley Dodd with uh, a, a pre- oh, Terry, you got it last time. Oh, Perry? sorry. I, I, I skipped That's to okay. the end. Let's see. It's okay. I'm not going to get the name right. So we'll just leave it. Ashley Dodd. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> and then Jelna Caffs is uh, the other person on that voting. Uh, the 2023 Women's Voice Awards. I got Megan Rodenhouse, Christine Shreve, Pilar Harrison, Adrian Palmer, and Martha Kaminsky. And then we've got the 2023 Two Real Guys Podcast uh, Guest Star Awards and uh, Vic Patel. Jay Bissell, Eric Campbell, Jed Seifert, and Scott Fresner. Uh, we'll, we'll get Wayne will be eligible for the 2024 awards. So we'll exactly. just start from there. 12, so. <laughs> All right. And then the, uh, the final category, kind of our uh, best picture award, so to speak, the 2023 Industry Ambassador Awards. Uh, you've got Lori Donovan, Matt Vassallo, Nikki Ademkowitz, Eric Campbell, Justin Lawrence, and Marvin Pearden. So. Uh, make sure you head over to tworegularguys.com forward slash Reggie's and get your votes in. And uh, yeah, so Terry, what, uh, what's coming up for you? Uh, have a uh, the big book of travels. Where is it taking you? All right. my <laughs> Pardon me, gosh. Uh, my complete screen printing business course, I'll be at Workhorse Products in Phoenix on January 13th and 14th. Uh, my next class in Chicago with Atlas Screen Supply will be March 9th and 10th. And uh, I'll be in the Equipment Zone booth in Long Beach for the Impressions Expo January 19th through 21st. And all of my upcoming events you can find at terrycombs.com. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I've uh, fortunately for, for the year and I'm not looking ahead to next year yet. So <laughs> the only <laughs> major announcement that I've got is I just uh, been really excited about the new OSG Live program that I've been able to participate with Tanya Deutscher, my wife, Kyleen. And uh, Becky Kotzer, uh, the four of us, uh, we 
we've been labeled the fab four so we're going to go with it um we, we get to explore the power of gratitude and celebrate wins and then we've got three segments that we go through during the course of an hour-long program and uh, it happens every wednesday morning over at liveosg.com and we'll have i think we're on episode nine next week so we're we're a little bit behind the two regular guys, but we're, we're working on it. And, <laughs> but it's, it's bright and early. So join us if you can live, but otherwise uh, you can go back and watch all of the past episodes over at live OSG. Um, they're all there. And, and uh, in fact, you can even catch the YouTube podcast version over there if you'd like. So, um, and then as far as Eric goes, I'll share for him here. He's got uh, today coming up this afternoon, it, the, Take up episode 175, expanding your embroidery toolbox. Uh, in this episode, Eric will talk about the year-end upgrades for digitizers and machine embroiderers that can enhance their work in the coming year. Thinking ahead to 2024, I love it. So head over to ericcampbell.com and click on the Take Up tab there at the top for all the episodes and and join in live. It's a, it's always a great conversation, even if you're not in embroidery, you can always get something out of it. And I think uh, Eric's always got a great way of teaching. He's such a a thorough teacher and I, I love it. So uh, again, go to ericcampbell.com and check that out. And then Eric will be teaching uh, the embroidery technique toolkit workshop. And he'll be doing that together with Justin Armenta and Joe Kramer at the Impressions Expo in Long Beach, California, coming up not too distant future here. So if you want to learn how to break the rules, uh, create elevated 3D puff embroidery and captivate customers with specialty stitches, this is your class. I think uh, getting those three guys together in a room is, is worth the price of admission just to soak in their knowledge. So uh, it's going to be a good one. Um, join all three of them for the three back-to-back -back sessions followed by digitizing office hours. And that's happening on January 18th out there at the Impressions Expo uh, event in Long Beach, California. So there we go. That's everything. Now it is secret sauce time. Uh, I am Who's hungry. Pushing the for button, though? Is it you? Is it Eric? Eric's, Eric's going to do it. I, no, I think he's got it. He's. Uh, I've tried to push the button, and I think I mess him up more than uh, than I help. So uh, <laughs> we'll let Eric push the buttons and bring the secret sauce all at the same time. He's that good. So Eric, when when you're ready. All right, folks, it's time for the secret sauce. And today it's all about avoiding shiny object syndrome. And if you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you've already had a problem with shiny objects at least one time in your career. Sometimes there's just stuff that we want to buy because we love it, because we love what we do. But we need to think about our purchases. And, and no, Terry, I'm not going to convince everybody not to buy. I'm just going to make them think about it first. Uh, the end of the year is fast approaching, and with it, the last chance for businesses to purchase before the books close for the tax season. As someone who has often approached her opinions on upgrades for embroidery, equipment, to electronics, I'd like to give you some guidelines that I follow when evaluating my Q4 upgrades. So if I can't purchase in any of the following categories, if I can't put that purchase there, it has to be considered a secondary to any that fit into these categories. So these are the things that I'm looking for. Uh, something that alleviates pain points. The surest way to prove the value of purchase is to have already felt the pain of needing the product or service that you want to buy. If you're constantly slowing down production to deal with a malfunctioning machine, sending out work that's well within your skill set because you don't have a tool or have continuous problems with keeping information together for your jobs, then buying a new machine, adding a tool, or subscribing to shop management software is a no-brainer. Uh, this also goes for purchases that will simply allow you to alleviate customer pain points related to the process of working with you. So once again, like online services like 
any sort of upgrades that allow you to remove the friction of purchasing, I think also fall into this category. In short, if you have some sort of consistent complaint that a reasonable expenditure can greatly improve, that's not a shiny object anymore. The second kind of category I go for are things that create opportunity. Uh, if you have a known customer base that would purchase something from you, if you had the means to produce it, and that means somebody who's asked for a service or you've identified this pool of potential buyers that you know how to reach, uh, making purchases that allow you to serve them is a close second to addressing those pain points. Again, before you make the purchase, be sure that you can answer the ever important questions. Who will this serve? How will I market the new products or abilities? And what do I need to change and charge? in order to make this worthwhile. So what do I change about my business and what do I charge to make this worthwhile as an offering? Uh, who on my staff, by the way, there's another one that people forget, who on my staff will handle the operation and administration of this new purchase? If you don't have someone to push the buttons, the thing will become a boat anchor. You need to know exactly who's going to be running it and how it's going to be marketed to really make this viable. Third category, things that enhance the experience for the customer or visibility. If you want to upgrade something that simply makes customer experiences better from showroom fixtures to communication upgrades to online services, this is the category for your expenditure. Uh, moreover, this catches any worthwhile purchase not directly related to working in the business. Uh, this can be anything that increases the estimation of your value in the eyes of the customer, including uh, renovations to your shop or your customer facing spaces, branding, signage, offline and offline or online presence upgrades and the like. Uh, if a purchase will put you directly in front of more potential buyers or will greatly improve the experience of your current buyers, it could fit here. And uh, you know, lastly, but not least, I just want to make sure you think about approaching this with total honesty. So whatever category you're going to put these purchases into, whatever you think you need to buy, know what you can safely spend, know your numbers. And secondly, when you strike upon that purchase that seems absolutely necessary at the moment, stop and run through these categories and ask the critical questions to make sure that your consideration fits within your real business plans. Honestly, if you're honest with yourself, if you're careful about what you're doing, the chances are you already know whether a purchase makes sense or not. And uh, you know, that's my secret sauce and I really hope it hits the spot. Excellent points there. Um, Yummy. You know, oh, I'm full now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but those are those are the things you need to do when you're thinking about uh, expanding your business. And and we're we're at that point where that's what people are thinking about. So good job, Eric. Yeah, really good job, Eric. I love it. Great job. All right, Terry. Well, we've uh, we come to the close of another show. We want to thank Wayne Morgan and, and Press Exchange and just uh, what a great conversation. And um, you know, the fact that we remembered the starting part of our conversation at in Atlanta, I think, is uh, what what led us to this. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, that we didn't uh, go too far. But uh, it, it was awesome. And, and I love that. Again, just I love that we get to think about this at a deeper level. And, and I think yeah. that's what's important. Right. And, and that Wayne was willing to just ask questions and say, you know, I just want to know. I just want to be curious. I, I think that's awesome. So uh, we could all do a little bit more of that, I think. A lot of food for thought today, I think. Yeah, indeed. So good stuff. Right. And uh, yeah. We also want to thank Eric Campbell for keeping the production temperature low and not letting Aaron and myself burn the turkey each week. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're getting dad jokes at the end now, too. I love it. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Well, next week, uh, speaking of turkeys, next week is Thanksgiving weekend. So we won't have sh show on Friday, Black Friday here in the United States. So, uh, 
you know, you can go stand in line at Walmart if that's what you choose to do with your Friday morning. Um, but uh, in two weeks, we have Tom Riley joining us, and he's going to be here to talk to us about buying new or used equipments and the pros and cons. So kind of a continuation of our conversation with Wayne here, and and uh, we appreciate Wayne introducing us to Tom and uh, may have been over a, a pint at the pub. So, you know, another one of our types of people. <laughs> I'm looking right. Looking forward to talking to Tom in two weeks. But in the meantime, you guys just have a great Thanksgiving. Remember what you're grateful for, uh, for all of our U.S. listeners and, and uh, the listeners beyond. Just enjoy uh, a time away here. All right. Until then, I'm Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And that was the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.